and again through you. We thank you for this time in which we can remember your death, burial, and resurrection as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Continue to be with us. Help us to fulfill the task that you have given us. Help us to tell others of Jesus. For we do pray in Christ's name. Amen. Father, we indeed thank you for the grace that you give and for the hope that is ours because we know that Jesus Christ lives. We thank you, Father, for the hope and for the knowledge that our efforts are not in vain. And we look forward, Father, to seeing you face to face. As we open your word this morning, Father, may, um, may we be attentive to what your spirit has to say. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. 
if you will look in your bulletin and pull out that communication card that is in there, uh, visitors and members alike, if you're visiting with us, welcome. We're glad you're here. There should be a pen in the pew rack in front of you. If you don't have one, everyone please take a moment to fill this out. At least give us your name and an email. Uh, first time guests, we have this, um we have a gift for you out in the lobby uh, on our guest services table. There's a couple of uh, books and things there. Please be sure to stop and pick one up. Let me fill my card out with you at the same time here. Let me get mine here. Can I get a little bit more light up here, possibly? Okay, um, on the back of the card, you'll note there is a memory verse for today. There is also a um, reading for next week. We are starting into a new series. Uh, this series is um, on the first ministry trip. In fact, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 10 for several weeks, so we're not going to cover everything today. But we're going to get started in that here in just a few minutes. You'll also note that there is a pamphlet, a handout in the bulletin on the... Um, IDES International Disaster Emergency Service thing that we are going to be doing here fairly soon uh, in packing food for people that are undergoing turbulent times. Um, IDES has done disaster relief all over the world, including here in America as well. And there's information there to remind you of that. Also in the bulletin, there's a list of dates. We've got a lot of fun stuff that's coming up, so please be certain to read your bulletin and to be aware of it. As we move into this talk that we're going to have over the next several weeks on this first ministry trip, you notice I didn't say mission trip because we tend to think of missions as being where? Over there, right? And yet we do have a mission, right? And we do have a ministry, right? And missions is about ministry. And where does the mission begin? The mission begins here. Missions begins here. Matthew 10. He, meaning Jesus, called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve. Uh, back up. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise 
the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If, you're, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. It's pretty harsh words, is it not? I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Some interesting things just from these first 16 verses. This is all we're going to look at today. We will go further into the chapter in a couple of weeks as we go forward. But when they start out on this first ministry trip, do you see what Jesus says? He does not say, go into all of the world. What does he say? He says, go to your own people. We forget that we have mission, ministry right around us every day. Because you see, in that day and time for Jesus' disciples, he said, our mission begins here in our Jerusalem. When we begin in our own backyard, friend, we are better prepared to later go into all of the world. Missionaries are sent out from us, from, from our background, and yet, you know, we have to remain in our Jerusalem. Verse 7, Jesus says, as you go, remember that the message is supposed to be part of us, part of who we are. And this phrase, as you go, it's actually a participle. Uh, I know this is not English class, and y'all guys know that I speak a different language than you do. But on this, we can, we can kind of sort of agree. A participle is one of those action words, okay? It's what we would call an I-N-G word, right? In English, if you have I-N-G on the end of the word, that's a participle. This three words, as you go, is actually as you are going. It is an ongoing action. It is not a point in time. It is, in fact, not a command. As you are going, this is what I want you to do. The, com the command comes after that. By the way, that same principle is 
alive and well in the one place that most all of us already know those three words exist, right? Or exist as a command, go into all of the world. Where is that? Matthew what? Matthew 20, 20 is close. Yeah, Matthew 28, 20, right? 19 and 20. Even there, that's not the command. That's not the vocative voice. That's not the you go, which is the way we read that in English, right? It actually is as you are going. And then the command, make disciples. That's the instruction. Even there in Matthew with what we call the great commission. As you are going, as you are going to work, as you are going to Walmart, as you are going to the antique kitchen, as you are going to the golf course, as you are going to the lake, as you are going on a walk around your neighborhood, as you are going, spread the good news. And here's the message. This is the message that Jesus said. Go tell the lost sheep that God is among us. He is here. That long-awaited deliverance is here. The Messiah, the anointed one, the, the chosen one who was chosen to take away the sins of the world, he is here. And he's going to sacrifice himself. For we know that through the Old Testament, through the law, through tradition, that without shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness. There must be a sacrifice. And God is moving right now, today. He is among us. And that is good news. You know what else? He equipped them for the ministry, just like he equips us for ministry. He gives them the ability to take care of physical and emotional needs. Now, we know that those original apostles, those original disciples, were given miraculous gifts. In those 12, they could pass that down to the next generation. But as we read scripture, what we see is that next generation could not pass on those gifts. But you know what is happening during that time? Stories and lives are being changed and people are recording them. And we have the record of the things that they did. Those gifts were given in order to prove that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was God made flesh. He was Messiah here on earth. He was the one we are all looking for. It proves his message. Today we have that New Testament. We have the stories. We have the historical proof. And, friend, you have your changed life. You know, it's been said that um, people don't care what you know until they know if you care. Yes. You know what else? In today's world, 
people aren't persuaded by numbers. They aren't persuaded by what you think is true. What they really want to know is if I believe, if I follow, what change is it going to make in my life? What's in it for me, right? You know what Christ has done in your life. And believe it or not, whether or not you think your life is messy, whether or not you're embarrassed or ashamed of things that you did in the past, and I can guarantee you, your preacher is ashamed of some of the stuff he has done in the past. I am not perfect. I am just forgiven by the grace of God. And what people want to know is what changed in your life when you knew that forgiveness was there. You and I can't heal like those first disciples. But I want you to think about what was going on in their day and time and what's going on today as far as technology and as far as what we know about life, what we know about physical bodies and everything. They did not have hospitals. They did not have nurses. They certainly didn't have doctors that know what our doctors know today. They didn't have prescriptions. They didn't have anesthesia. They didn't have aspirin. They didn't have the ability to purify massive amounts of water which helps to cut way down on disease. Amen? They didn't have Christian counselors that were well-versed in psychology and in Scripture, and they know where, where human psychology and Scripture match up and where that truth lies. You know what they did have, though? They had listening ears. They had open hearts. They had compassion for people. They had a desire to help each other and to lift up the poor. They took up collections in order to help those that were undergoing famines. They took care of widows. They took care of orphans. Mm. And you know what? In that sense, we're still a lot like them. In other words, Jesus is telling them, and we should be getting, that we need to help where we can. Maybe we can't do everything. That doesn't mean that we can't do something. And you get in these verses 9 and 10, you know, this um, idea Jesus tells them, you know, don't take anything with you, you know. You just go... And rely on God, really. Right? Do you ever wonder how they made out without money and luggage? We can't do anything without money and luggage. I don't know about y'all, but we've had some one-night trips when the car was packed full of luggage. If they couldn't take all that stuff, what was it they could take? Well, number one, they took good news. Yes? They took a message. God is among us. 
and they took their dependence on God and a trust that he would see them through. See, even they had to learn that sharing the good news is an act of faith. I think we can easily forget that God wants us to be the bearer of that word that he wants to draw everyone to him. And if we are in the will of God, friend, there's no way you're not going to be successful. You simply will. Now, it may not look like what you call success, but there's a difference between toil, um, tilling ground, planting the seed, watering the seed, picking the suckers off a tomato plant once it's up, <laughs> you know, tending to the garden and getting a harvest. There may be some times that you come along and you talk to somebody and the fruit is hanging right there and it's ready to be plucked. And there are other times where somebody's life might need a little tilling. You might not be the one that's going to see ultimately what seeds you plant are going to result in. In verses 11 through 16, Jesus does say that there will be success, though not everyone is going to believe. You know, there, Some people are going to be hot for God. They're really looking and they're primed and they're ready for the Holy Spirit to really come in and change their lives. And others are going to be physically frozen. They need to be thawed a little bit. They're not really ready for the Holy Spirit in their lives. I have the guilty pleasure that I'm not able to take advantage of these days. But um, I was watching Emerald Lagasse when he was thinner and smaller than me on Food Network where Emerald was only one that they had and he used to do all of his shows in the middle of the night because he was actually cooking in a restaurant in Louisiana and he would sleep on the plane to go to New York, shoot the shows and then sleep on the plane to go back to work the next morning. I was doing Food Network before Food Network was a cool, you know. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Joy wished I'd put a lot of that learning into practice. <laughs> But one of the things that I learned is there are different ways of cooking a steak. Uh, anybody here enjoy steak? Can I get an amen? Amen? Okay. Okay. Um, if God didn't want us to eat cows, he wouldn't have made them out of meat, right? Uh, <laughs> I learned some things about cooking a steak that I was doing well and doing right. I learned some things that I never even thought of. Like a lot of places, they, they pan sear the meat. They pull off rosemary and put in a big old hunk of butter and create this, this glaze and hold the pan and they're constantly throwing the butter back up onto this piece of meat. And I know I can't smell that through the TV, but man, I can taste it. You know? What do you call that when you're just kind of throwing that juice back on you might do this with the turkey you got a turkey in the oven and you get some what, what do they call that 
basting, right? They call that basting. Now, you might take some time, you might take some chicken, and you want to do something with it, and you might put it in a bag and throw some seasonings and maybe a little liquid, maybe some sauce in there, and you put it in the refrigerator for a while. What are you doing to that meat? What are you doing? You're marinating it, right? But, you know, you can't do that until it's thawed, right? Yeah. Frozen meat, you really can't do anything with. But if you think about it, the Holy Spirit is the heat that changes the taste. It changes who we are and how other people perceive us. It's what draws them to us. The word is that seasoning, that basting, that marinating. And you get to be the cook. You see? See, some people can be basted, but others require marinating. You can't just go and, I wish I knew a better term for this, but I think it makes a whole lot of sense, and I know it's not the thought you really want to have, but I've seen people who just go and they just spiritually throw up all over somebody, and they throw out everything that they have and just not paying attention, not listening, they're just, that they get in their mind and they're just, and they can't even stop it, it's just coming all out, right? That may be necessary once in a while, but most of the time people need a little basting. And they, they need a little, they need a little marinating. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you handled a snake? I was wondering if, if uh, Uncle Dave were going to be here today, uh, he, he, he didn't show up today. Anybody handle snakes for fun other than, than Dave Gotham? Oh, there's a couple of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's always some weird person in the crowd. That's okay. I've got no problem with it. Um, other than, I've got no problem with you doing that. I, I personally am not going to do that. Okay, I'm one of these guys that, that thinks that the proper utensil for when, what to, to use when moving a snake is a shovel, hopefully with a very sharp edge on it. Think about it. Um, just not my cup of tea. But you can't hear somebody say, be like a snake, and not think about something. Be like a dove. It's a metaphor, right? Yeah. Now, oftentimes, you know, we know in Scripture, back in Genesis, the serpent, the snake, the devil, all that mess, right? We, we know that's a negative. That's not what Jesus is talking about here, is it? What's he talking about? He's talking about that cunningness, right? He's talking about uh, having your wits about you. Yes? The serpent is known for its craftiness, for its cunning patience, for its awareness. Doves, on the other hand, small little white birds. We know doves, right? On the wings of a snow white dove. Am I the only one that likes old country gospel? 
We know doves, right? It's a symbol of what? Even today, it's a symbol of peace, right? It's a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of love, of hope. And, and doves are something that we view as being soft and, and gentle, yes? What I believe he's saying, you guys know this, but what I believe he's saying is be smart, but be gentle and compassionate with those people who are frozen or need a little marinating or need some basting. As you are going to your own people, give your own countrymen, your neighbors, your brothers, good news because Ministry, mission begins here. Don't get hung up on the spiritually frozen. Look for those that are thawing and that the Holy Spirit is already simmering. Jumping ahead, I'm going to leave you with this verse. Down at verse 40, same chapter. We'll get here in just a couple of weeks. Jesus says, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Yes? So as you are going, brothers, sisters, family, remember, you can change eternity for someone else. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his instruction. We thank you for how he taught us and how he taught those first disciples. <laughs>